This is Memory in Top 40 Music, and in this episode, we're looking at the top 10 songs from July 4th, 1976, the day we celebrated the bicentennial of the United States. I'm Spoken Joe Williams. July 4th, 1976, the 200th birthday of the United States of America. The 200th anniversary of the approval of the Declaration of Independence by the Second Continental Congress in Philadelphia on July 4, 1776. This document announced the separation of the 13 colonies from Great Britain. The Continental Congress voted in favor of independence on July 2nd, but it was on the 4th of July, 1776, that the final language was approved. And this is the date on which we've celebrated American independence ever since. What is considered the official copy of the Declaration of Independence was signed by members of the Continental Congress on August 2, 1776. In a 1777 letter to his wife, John Adams predicted Americans would celebrate their Independence Day on July 2. And there are reports Adams turned down invitations to appear at July 4 celebrations in protest over the date. On the 50th anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, both Adams and Thomas Jefferson died. Both, who served as President of the United States, died within hours of each other on July 4, 1826. It's possible the loss of these two statesmen on that date also further solidified July 4 as the Day of Honor. Some states had begun to mark July 4 as a state holiday, with Massachusetts being the first to do so in 1781. It wasn't until 1870, just six years before the American centennial, that Congress declared July 4th to be a national holiday. That action was part of a bill to officially recognize the first four U.S. federal holidays, New Year's Day, Independence Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day. With America's 200th birthday only 10 years away, Congress created the American Revolution Bicentennial Commission in 1966 to begin planning. The celebration was envisioned as an exposition, Expo 76, to be held in either Boston or Philadelphia. The commission recommended the celebration not be limited to a single event. Then it was dissolved, replaced in 1973 by the American Revolution Bicentennial Administration, which was to encourage and coordinate locally sponsored events. There's a lot more to discuss regarding the U.S. Bicentennial, but before we do that, let's get our countdown kicked off from July 4th, 1976. The top of this week's music chart is pretty stable. In our top 10, five songs held to their position from last week. Only one song entered the top 10 this week, and only had to move up one place to do so. Starting off with the song at number 10, it's Gary Wright and Love is Alive. Gary Wright's solo career got off to a hot start. His first two solo releases to chart were both top 10 hits. In fact, both made it all the way up to number two. The first was Dream Weaver, which debuted on the charts in January 1976. Dream Weaver peaked at number two for three weeks in March and April. While Dream Weaver was still in the top 10, Love is Alive made its debut on the Hot 100. It first showed up at number 83. A week later, it was 73, then 63, then 53. But then it lost the symmetry, but made it into the top 40 with a 13-notch leap up to number 40 in mid-May. Love is Alive would spend a total of 18 weeks in the top 40, including 7 weeks in the top 10. It wouldn't fall out of the top 40 until the middle of September 1976, and it would wind up as the ninth most popular song of the year based on Billboard's ranking. 
Gary Wright has had a very interesting career. The Creskill, New Jersey native started out as a child actor. Who remembers the episode of The Honeymooners when Ed Norton brought his space helmet into the Cramden's apartment to watch an episode of Captain Video and his Video Rangers? Well, Captain Video was a real show, and Gary Wright's first TV appearance came on Captain Video when he was seven. He also appeared in the Broadway musical Fanny, eventually playing Fanny's son. Fanny was played by Florence Henderson, who we later affectionately would know as Carol Brady on The Brady Bunch. Wright learned to play the piano and organ and was in several local bands, but after high school, he studied medicine at the College of William and Mary and then New York University. In 1966, he headed to Europe to study at the Free University of Berlin. But the next year, he dropped his plans of becoming a doctor, made several connections in the music business, and in London, joined up with the band that was to become Spooky Tooth. In 1970, Wright decided to make a go of a solo career and record his first album, Extraction. Musicians on the album included bassist Klaus Vorman and drummer Alan White. White, later the drummer for Yes, was also in John Lennon's Plastic Ono Band. But it is Vorman who is the pivotal one in this story. Klaus Vorman had known the Beatles since their Hamburg days and won a Grammy Award for his design of the Beatles' Revolver album cover. It was through Vorman that Gary Wright was invited to play piano and keyboards on George Harrison's All Things Must Pass triple album in 1970. Wright and Harrison developed a friendship that lasted until Harrison's death in 2001. Wright also played on a couple of Ringo Starr's hits, It Don't Come Easy and Back Off Boogaloo. Wright reformed Spooky Tooth after A&M Records refused to release his Ring of Changes album. By 1975, Wright had gone solo again. He signed with Warner Brothers Records and released the album The Dreamweaver. The album went platinum and reached number 7 on the Billboard album charts. What's really unique about the album is that other than one song, no guitars appear on the album. It's all keyboards, synthesizers, and drums. In 1976, Wright, Yes, and Peter Frampton performed at the U.S. Bicentennial Concert at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia, thrilling a crowd of 120,000 strong. After Dreamweaver and Love is Alive, Wright had one other top 40 hit. That was 1981's Really Wanna Know You. But he began to make a name for himself on soundtracks, such as 1982's Endangered Species, Sylvester Stallone's 1986 action film Cobra, and he re-recorded Dreamweaver for 1992's Wayne's World. Wright has also been a member of a couple of iterations of Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. And that album A&M wouldn't release back in 1972? Ring of Changes was finally released in 2016. In this bicentennial countdown, Gary Wright has the number 10 song, Love is Alive, up from number 11, in this its first of what would be seven weeks in the top 10. I'm Spoken Joe, and you're listening to Memory and Top 40 Music, where we relive our best memories through the greatest songs ever recorded. In this episode, we're looking at July 4th, 1976, the 200th birthday of the USA. Remember to tune in to this episode's companion playlist on Spotify. All of this week's top 10 songs are included, plus some extras for your enjoyment. And the free Spotify account is all you need to enjoy our companion playlist. Let's get calibrated for a moment about where the U.S. was in 1976. We were just two years removed from the first resignation of an American president. We were just one year removed from our Vietnam withdrawal. We were also locked in the battle of a presidential election year. 
But President Gerald Ford guided his administration to stress and reaffirm the themes of the Founding Fathers, dignity, equality, government by representation, and liberty. A contest led to the selection of a special bicentennial logo. The winning submission came from Bruce Blackburn, who co-designed the insignia NASA used from the mid-70s until the early 90s. The bicentennial logo was eventually a flag which not only flew at federal facilities, but was also used on postage stamps and souvenirs. The song at number nine is one of my favorites. It's the Manhattans and Kiss and Say Goodbye. Just like Gary Wright, the Manhattans are also a New Jersey bread act. What was initially a five-man group from Jersey City formed in 1962. Between 1965 and the success of Kiss and Say Goodbye, the Manhattans appeared 18 times in the Hot 100, the R&B Singles Chart, and the Soul Singles Chart, cracking the Billboard Top 40 once with 1975's Don't Take Your Love, which made it to number 37 in February of that year. The song, There's No Me Without You, just missed, attaining the 43rd position on the chart the week of August 4, 1973. That song was a number three hit on the Soul Singles chart. Kiss and Say Goodbye was a monster hit for the Manhattans. The song featured the spoken introduction by Winfred Blue Lovett, the song's writer, and the soulful singing of Gerald Alston. Kiss and Say Goodbye spent 17 weeks in the top 40, nine weeks in the top 10, including two weeks at number one at the end of July. This week, the song moved up one spot from number 10 a week ago. It would go on to be the sixth most popular song of 1976 on Billboard's year-end chart. Kiss and Say Goodbye would also top the charts on the Cashbox and Soul Singles charts. In spite of the success of Kiss and Say Goodbye, the Manhattans would chart just one other song in the top 40. That would be Shining Star, which would be a number five hit in the summer of 1980, and it won a Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. This week's number nine song, Kiss and Say Goodbye, by the Manhattans. The Bicentennial Celebration was not just a one-day event. It actually started in April 1975 with the American Freedom Train. The specially decorated train traversed the 48 continental states and carried with it historical artifacts. It was a 26-car train powered by three restored steam locomotives, the train had 10 display cars, which carried American artifacts, such as George Washington's personal copy of the U.S. Constitution, the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, the original Louisiana Purchase, Martin Luther King's pulpit and robes, Joe Frazier's boxing trunks, a moon rock, a dress worn in The Wizard of Oz by Judy Garland, the baseball bats of Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, and Ted Williams, and President Roosevelt's speech to Congress after the attack on Pearl Harbor. It took until December 1976 for the American Freedom Train to complete its rounds, with 7 million people going aboard during its many stops. Countless others saw the special Freedom Train as it lumbered by, and I may have been one of them, as I think I remember seeing the train as it passed through our little New Jersey town. Sharing horizons that are new to us Watching the signs along the way Talking it over, just the two of us Listening to the song at number eight Together You know, there are four family acts of sorts in this week's top ten Three feature husband-wife teams But the act at number eight is comprised of George and Lewis Johnson The Brothers Johnson And it's their biggest hit, 
I'll be good to you. The Johnsons paid their dues backing the likes of Bobby Womack and the Supremes before being hired by Quincy Jones to work on his 1975 Mellow Madness album. Jones then produced the Brothers Johnson debut album, Look Out for Number One, which went top 10 and produced two top 40 singles, including I'll Be Good to You. They followed that up in 1977 with the album Right on Time, which contained the big hit single Strawberry Letter 23. Their fourth album, Light Up the Night, proved to be their biggest, getting all the way up to number five on the Billboard album chart. From Light Up the Night came the top ten single, Stomp, which became the brothers' third number one on the R&B chart, following I'll Be Good to You and Strawberry Letter 23. By 1982, Lewis and George had split up to pursue solo careers. Lewis was a renowned bass player. He played on Michael Jackson's Off the Wall and Thriller albums, as well as on Paul McCartney's Give My Regards to Broad Street soundtrack. Lewis Johnson died in 2015 at 60 years of age. His brother George is alive today. I'll Be Good to You would spend a total of 12 weeks in the top 40, more than half of those in the top 10, seven to be exact. The next week it would lunge ahead to number three, where it would remain for three weeks, and that would prove to be its peak position. Back in June, I'll Be Good to You hit number one on the Soul Singles chart. The Brothers Johnson and I'll Be Good to You, the number eight song on the 4th of July, 1976. I'm Joe Williams, and you're listening to Memory and Top 40 Music, and we're taking a walk through the top of the chart from July 4th, 1976. It's time for our Memory Jogger feature, and in this installment of Memory Jogger, we'll remember a few key music figures who recently passed. Reggie Lucas, the Grammy-winning musician who played guitar for Miles Davis, and later wrote and produced some of Madonna's earliest hits, died May 19, 2018, at the age of 65. Lucas and James M. Tume wrote the hit, The Closer I Get to You, for Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, and Stephanie Mills' hit, Never Knew Love Like This Before. The latter won the 1981 Grammy Awards for Best R&B Song and Best Female R&B Performance. For Madonna's self-titled 1983 debut album, Lucas wrote Borderline and produced six of the album's eight songs, including Lucky Star. Danny Kerwin, the former Fleetwood Mac guitarist who played on five of the band's albums, died June 8, 2018 at the age of 68. Kerwin joined Fleetwood Mac in 1968. His first appearance was on the single Albatross. He recorded five albums with the band while serving as guitarist and singer. Kerwin was dismissed from Fleetwood Mac in 1972. He later released four solo albums and was one of eight Fleetwood Mac band members inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. DJ Fontana died on June 13, 2018. He was 87 years old. Fontana was Elvis Presley's drummer for 14 years, starting in Presley's early days through his 1968 comeback TV special. Fontana started playing with Elvis when all Elvis had backing him up was Scotty Moore on guitar and Bill Black on double bass. Fontana played on more than 450 of Presley's recordings. Fontana started as a band member on the popular radio show Louisiana Hayride. As Levon Helm of the band said, Elvis and Scotty and Bill were making good music, but it wasn't rock and roll until DJ put the backbeat into it. Fontana and Scotty Moore backed Paul McCartney when the former Beatle recorded the Elvis hit That's Alright in 2001. 
Fontana was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009 in the Sideman category. The same year, he was inducted into the Rockabilly Hall of Fame. Matt Guitar Murphy, guitarist for the Blues Brothers, who played with blues legends like Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, and Memphis Slim, died June 15, 2018, at 88 years of age. Murphy was recruited by Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi after they heard him play at a New York club. Murphy was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 2012. Laurel Simon died on June 19, 2018. He was 75. He was one of Chicago soul music's foremost singer-songwriters. Simon is likely best known for leading the late 1960s, early 70s vocal group The Lost Generation. The Lost Generation had a song, The Sly, Slick, and the Wicked, which reached number 30 on the pop charts in August 1970. George Cameron, an original member of The Left Bank, who scored with their very first single and biggest hit in 1966 with Walk Away Renee, died on June 24, 2018. The Left Bank formed in New York City in 1965. Cameron was the drummer and one of the group's singers. By the next year, the teenagers had a number five single with Walk Away Renee. I also need to make mention of Dan Ingram, one of the best-known DJs of our time, who had a 50-year career in radio, highlighted by his tenure at New York's WABC and then WCBS-FM. Dan died on June 24, 2018, at the age of 83. I loved listening to him. Dan Ingram was funny, quick, and irreverent, and he had one heck of a great voice. Dan had the afternoon drive shift, and I especially looked forward to Tuesday afternoons when he unveiled the new weekly WABC music survey. Who can forget Dan's Hey Kimosabi? Dan Ingram was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in 2007. Reggie, Danny, DJ, Matt, Laurel, George, and yes, Dan too. Thanks for the music and the memories. Now back to our countdown. There is only one song in this week's countdown which moved down from last week, and that is Get Up and Boogie by The Silver Convention, and we find it this week at number 7, down from number 2. Get Up and Boogie had a 15-week top 40 run. Nine of those weeks were spent in the top 10, including three consecutive weeks at number 2. The song hit number 1 on the cash box chart. The Silver Convention was a female disco vocal group from West Germany, which was initially comprised of four session singers. The group was formed by two producers and songwriters, Sylvester LeVay and Michael Kuntz. LeVay's nickname was Silver. LeVay was the primary composer, Kuntz the lyricist. LeVay's credits include songs from Flashdance, the Peter O'Toole movie Creator, the Stallone film Cobra, which we mentioned earlier, and the list goes on. Kuntz adapted international hit musicals for the German-speaking market, including Evita, The Phantom of the Opera, A Chorus Line, The Lion King, and Mamma Mia. LeVay and Kuntz also collaborated on several original musicals, as well as the other big hit by the Silver Convention, Fly, Robin, Fly. Fly, Robin, Fly was the Silver Convention's first hit in 1975, and it rode the dance music wave all the way to number one. It won the Grammy for Best R&B Instrumental Performance. Yes, I said instrumental performance, even though the part of the song we probably best remember is the line, Fly Robin Fly, which were among its very few lyrics, the only other lyrics being Up Up to the Sky. LeVay and Kuntz duplicated their sparsely worded disco success on Get Up and Boogie, which also consisted of only six words. That's right! The Silver Convention 
and their big disco dance hit, Get Up and Boogie, at number 7 on July 4th, 1976. Getting back to our bicentennial story, in 1976, the New Jersey Lottery operated a special bicentennial lottery in which the winner received $1,776 per week for 20 years. Philadelphia featured prominently in festivities leading up to the 4th of July since it had been the site of the Continental Congress and where the Declaration of Independence was written and approved. The NBA All-Star Game, the National Hockey League All-Star Game, the NCAA Final Four, and the Major League Baseball All-Star Game were all held in Philadelphia in 1976, and a 50,000-pound Sarah Lee birthday cake was served at Philadelphia's Memorial Hall. George Washington was posthumously appointed to the grade of General of the Armies of the United States by a joint resolution of Congress with an effective appointment date of July 4, 1976. This restored Washington's position as the highest-ranking military officer in U.S. history. Other countries honored the U.S. on its 200th birthday with gifts. France assembled an exhibit that traveled to Detroit and New York entitled French Painting, 1774-1830, The Age of Revolution. Many of the 149 works of French artists from the period had never before been seen outside France. The Japanese government gave us the Terrace Theater, which is located on the roof terrace level of the John F. Kennedy Center of the Performing Arts in Washington. And Britain loaned one of the four existing copies of the Magna Carta for a one-year display in the U.S. Capitol. On July 3rd, the Valley Forge winter campsite of George Washington's Continental Army served as final destination for a commemoration of the westward wagon trains of the 19th century. Six wagon trains totaling 200 wagons, which had traveled for months from all over the nation, converged in Valley Forge in front of a crowd of nearly half a million people. The CBS television network produced segments called Bicentennial Minutes, which aired nightly from July 4, 1974, through December 31, 1976. The segments, one minute long, described an event or person prominent on that date 200 years before during the American Revolution. The Bicentennial Minute on July 4, 1976, was narrated by First Lady Betty Ford. It's time for number six on our countdown show. Do, 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 do. We'll send it back now to Spoken Joe. Do, 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 do. Number six this week is another disco song, More, 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 by the Andrea True Connection. Andrea True was born in Nashville and was an actress before her career as a singer. While filming commercials for a real estate company in Jamaica, True recorded a demo of More, More, More. The remix of that song became extremely popular in dance clubs in the mid-70s. Tom Moulton was the recording engineer responsible for the remix. Moulton worked in sales and promotion for several record labels before getting into production. He was known as the father of the disco mix, following his creation of the first continuous mix album side. That was for Gloria Gaynor's Never Can Say Goodbye LP. Moulton would later be inducted into the Dance Music Hall of Fame. More, More, More was Andrea True's first release, and it was a big hit. It took seven weeks to reach the top 40, but when it got there, it stayed for 16 weeks. It enjoyed a six-week top ten run and would peak two weeks from now at number four. 
Andrea True would have one other top 40 song that would happen in 1977 when New York, You Got Me Dancing, spent five weeks in the 40, topping out at number 27. True died in 2011 when she was 68. At number six this week, the same spot as last, is the Andrea True Connection and more, more, more. In addition to the memories these great songs bring back, let's see what else was going on in the world in July 1976. Of course, this episode is focused on the U.S. Bicentennial Celebration of July 4, 1976. Israeli commandos raided Entebbe Airport in Uganda, rescuing 102 of the remaining 106 hostages of the passengers and crew of an Air France jetliner seized by Palestinian terrorists. Two days after the bicentennial celebration, the first class of women was inducted at the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. The day after that, 119 women joined the Corps of Cadets for the first time at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. North and South Vietnam were formally reunified, and the U.S. completed withdrawing its troops from Thailand. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled the death penalty was not inherently cruel or unusual. Jimmy Carter received the Democratic nomination for president at that party's national convention in New York. On July 20th, Viking 1 landed on Mars, seven years to the day since the Apollo 11 moon landing. The outbreak of Legionnaire's disease in Philadelphia killed 29 people. The British ambassador to the Republic of Ireland was assassinated in Dublin by a bomb planted by the Provisional Irish Republican Army. An earthquake in northern China killed over 240,000 people. Son of Sam began his killing spree that terrorized New York for the next year. The 21st Modern Olympic Games opened in Montreal, where Nadia Comaneci would become the first Olympian to score a perfect 10 in gymnastics. Hank Aaron hit the 755th and final home run of his Hall of Fame career. The top box office draw on July 4th was The Outlaw Josie Wells, starring Clint Eastwood. The number one country song on July 4th was The Door Is Always Open by Dave and Sugar. Notable births in July 1976 included actor Fred Savage, actress Diane Kruger, actor Benedict Cumberbatch, and Andrea Barber. Yes, that's Kimmy Gibbler from Full House. Notable deaths in July 1976 included TV host Ted Mack, and Jonathan Netanyahu, Israeli commander of the raid on Entebbe and brother of Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm Spoken Joe. Now back to our countdown. Holding steady at number five this week is a remake of the old Miracles hit Shop Around, and it's by Captain and Tennille. Daryl Dragon and Tony Tennille are the second family act in this week's countdown. This husband and wife were one of the most successful duos of the 1970s and even had their own TV variety show for a season, followed by three network specials which drew large audiences. The two met when Tennille hired Dragon while he was between tours as a keyboard player for the Beach Boys. Later on, Dragon was instrumental in getting Tennille hired by the Beach Boys as an additional keyboard player. She toured with them for a year and is known as the Beach Boys' only beach girl. Tennille and Dragon began working as a duo and signed a deal with A&M Records. Their first hit was the 1975 number one smash Love Will Keep Us Together, a Grammy winner for Record of the Year. Their string of hits is impressive. Love Will Keep Us Together, The Way I Want to Touch You, Lonely Night, Shop Around, Muskrat Love, 
You Never Done It Like That, and they hit number one again in 1980 when Do That To Me One More Time topped the charts. That would be their final hit single. Captain and Tennille performed at a bicentennial celebration at the White House on July 7th in front of President Ford and Queen Elizabeth. Tony Tennille also became a sought-after session singer. She appeared on three Elton John albums, including on one of my favorite Elton John songs, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. She sang on Art Garfunkel's album Breakaway, and believe it or not, she also sang on Pink Floyd's The Wall album. As for Shop Around, Captain and Tennille kept this one in the top 40 for 11 weeks. Seven of those in the top 10. This week is its second week at number 5, and it would peak the next week at number 4. The Miracles version spent 13 weeks in the top 40, 6 weeks in the top 10, and peaked at number 2 in February 1961. To the surprise of their fans, Tony Tennille and Daryl Dragon divorced in 2014. But on Independence Day 1976, Captain and Tennille had the fifth biggest song in the U.S., Shop Around. The biggest bicentennial celebrations were, not surprisingly, reserved for the day itself, Sunday, July 4th, 1976. And it was a big deal. President Ford participated in the Valley Forge State Park bicentennial activities on the morning of July 4th. Then he went to Philadelphia for its special bicentennial program. Charlton Heston was the master of ceremonies for the celebration, which preceded a five-hour parade featuring floats from every state and 40,000 marchers. An estimated 2 million visitors came to Philadelphia to attend these events. One aspect of the day's celebration that I recall was the tall ships. An international fleet of tall-masted sailing ships was in New York Harbor on the 4th for a nautical parade called Operation Sail. Over 200 sailing ships participated, including 16 of the 20 largest active sailing vessels in the world. And 53 warships from 22 countries were also in New York for an international naval review. An estimated 6 million people visited Manhattan for the 4th of July festivities. Coming from Philadelphia, President Ford flew by helicopter onto the aircraft carrier USS Forrestal in New York Harbor. He initiated the ringing of bicentennial bells across America in celebration of the country's 200th anniversary. The president helicoptered to the USS Nashville to view the passing of the tall ships in New York's Hudson River. The USS Wainwright, a guided missile cruiser, weighed anchor with Vice President Nelson Rockefeller, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, and Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld aboard. That evening, Ford was on the Truman Balcony of the White House to take in the fireworks show above the Washington Monument. Ford said one of the greatest moments in his life was serving as president during the country's bicentennial celebrations. There's another duo at number four this week, and it includes another Daryl. They would be the most successful duo in rock history. It's Daryl Hall and John Oates, and their first top 40 hit, Sarah Smile. Daryl Hall is a native of Philadelphia, while John Oates was born in New York City, but his family moved to the Philly suburbs. The two met while attending Temple University, where they began their world-famous collaboration. They were each heavily influenced by soul music, which became a hallmark of their work. During their legendary career, Hall and Oates hit the top 40 29 times. 16 of those songs made it into the top 10, 
They hit number one six times with Rich Girl, Kiss on My List, Private Eyes, I Can't Go For That, No Can Do, Maneater, and Out of Touch. Hall wrote Every Time You Go Away, which was on the Hall & Oates Voices album, but was not released as a single. It was a number one hit for Paul Young in 1985. Also in 1985, the duo were part of the We Are the World recording session for African Famine Relief and were among the final performers at the Philadelphia portion of the July 1985 Live Aid Benefit Concert for Ethiopian Famine Relief, which featured simultaneous concerts at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia and Wembley Stadium in London. Hall & Oates are inductees in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The song Sarah Smile was written by Daryl Hall and John Oates about Hall's girlfriend at the time, Sarah Allen. Sarah Allen would go on to co-write a few of Hall & Oates' hits, including You Make My Dreams and Private Eyes. It took 10 weeks for Sarah Smile to reach the top 40. Once it got there, it stayed for 17 weeks. Seven of those weeks were spent in the top 10, including both this week and last, at its peak position of number 4. Of all the songs on this week's Billboard Hot 100, and there are in fact 100 of them, Sarah Smile would have the longest run on the Hot 100, tied with the song at number 40, Walter Murphy's A Fifth of Beethoven, as each would spend 28 weeks on the Hot 100. By the way, Daryl and John apparently never liked being referred to as Hall and Oates, Their names never appear that way on any of their records, always as Daryl Hall and John Oates. So, with that in mind, at number four this week is Sarah Smile by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Looking over the balance of this holiday chart, I mentioned at the outset of the show that the top ten didn't have a whole lot of change in it from last week, and that's reflective of the whole top 40. This week, there are only three debut songs in the 40, The highest of those, I Need to Be in Love, by The Carpenters at number 38. The song which took the biggest jump in this week's top 40 is Let Her In by John Travolta, up 13 places to number 13. And the song in the 40 which had the biggest drop was Movin' by The Brass Construction, which fell 20 places to number 34. As for the Hot 100, there are 14 debut songs this week. The highest ranked of those is by Wings, Let Em In, at number 59. Among the other debut songs this week are some you still know and love, like James Taylor's Shower the People at number 83, Lowdown by Boz Skaggs at number 82, Fleetwood Mac's Say You Love Me at number 74, You Should Be Dancing by the Bee Gees at number 67, and Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D at number 66. Those last two would both go on to be number one songs. Other future number one songs in the countdown are Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry at number 89 this week, Walter Murphy's A Fifth of Beethoven at number 40, and two songs currently in the top 10. The Manhattans, Kiss and Say Goodbye, and Starland Vocal Band's Afternoon Delight. Former number one songs in this week's Hot 100 are Love Hangover by Diana Ross at number 18, and Boogie Fever by The Silvers, which is just hanging on at number 99. Both The Beach Boys and The Beatles are in this week's Top 40. The Beach Boys with Rock and Roll Music at number 16, and The Beatles with Got to Get You Into My Life at number 12 from their Rock and Roll Music compilation double album. Both songs would make the top 10. 
The song at number three this week is the fourth consecutive song in the countdown to hold its position from last week. It's Dorothy Moore and Misty Blue. Take a couple of minutes and listen to this one quietly on our companion playlist. I think it's one of the most beautiful singing performances around. Dorothy Moore hails from Jackson, Mississippi, and Misty Blue was her biggest pop hit. Before pursuing a solo career, Dorothy Moore was a member of the Poppies, a girl group of the 1960s, of which Moore was the lead singer. The Poppies had one song make the charts. That was 1966, Lullaby of Love, which made it as high as number 56 on the Hot 100 in March 1966. Misty Blue had a 16-week run in the top 40. Exactly half of those weeks were in the top 10. The song peaked at number 3 for four consecutive weeks. This is the last of those four weeks at number 3. Moore followed this up with I Believe in You, which reached number 27 in October 1977. Misty Blue was written by Bob Montgomery, whose songwriting partner back in the day was Buddy Holly. The two performed together as Buddy and Bob while they were in high school. Montgomery sang lead, and Holly harmonized. While it was Holly's recording career that took off, Montgomery co-wrote some of the songs Holly recorded, including Heartbeat, which would be one of the last singles Holly released before his death. Montgomery wrote Misty Blue for Brenda Lee, but she turned it down. It was a number four country hit for Wilma Burgess in late 1966 and early 1967. Later in 67, Eddie Arnold's version went to number three on the country charts, and it also hit the Hot 100, reaching number 57 in June 1967. Dorothy Moore continues to perform occasionally today, and in June 2015 was inducted into the official Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame in Clarksdale, Mississippi. At number three on Independence Day 1976, Dorothy Moore and her beautiful vocal, Misty Blue. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip of England visited Philadelphia on July 6th and presented a bicentennial bell made in the same foundry as the original Liberty Bell. On July 7th, the royals joined President and Mrs. Ford at the White House for an official state dinner and continued bicentennial celebration. The Smithsonian Museum had a special exhibition reflecting on the centennial celebration from 1876 and included artifacts from the 1876 World's Fair in Philadelphia. And the new Air and Space Museum, which had just opened on July 1st, had its grand opening on July 4th. NASA held a science and technology exhibit in the parking lot of the Vehicle Assembly Building at the Kennedy Space Center called Third Century America. An American flag and the bicentennial emblem were painted on the side of the Vehicle Assembly Building. The emblem remained there until 1998. July 4, 1976. The day began with the flag raising at dawn on Mars Hill Mountain in Maine and ended nearly a day later with a festival in American Samoa. Picnics and street parties, parades and song were the flavors of the day. We had a big family cookout in our backyard. Burgers and dogs, corn on the cob, and everything else. I went with my cousin Pat to Carvel, where he picked up flying saucers, their version of an ice cream sandwich. Do you remember those? Fireworks wrapped up celebrations in just about every big city across the country, and in numerous smaller towns as well. As I recall, we had sparklers and a few firecrackers to help cap off our day. And, by my memory, it really was an exciting day when we were all proud to be Americans.
The odds are certainly against me, but I sure would like to still be around for our tricentennial in 2076. The third of our four family acts I mentioned earlier is stationed at number two this week, making a big jump up from number seven. It's the Starland Vocal Band and Afternoon Delight. Starland Vocal Band was made up of two married couples, Bill Danoff and Taffy Nivert, as well as John Carroll and Margot Chapman. Danoff and Nivert were formerly known as Fat City, and then as Bill and Taffy. They released four albums under those names from 1964 through 1974. They also co-wrote Take Me Home Country Roads with John Denver. The duo wrote several other songs recorded by Denver, including I Guess He'd Rather Be in Colorado and Baby You Look Good to Me Tonight. John Carroll has since written for Linda Ronstadt, Tom Jones, and Kenny Rogers, and has also been a longtime member of Mary Chapin Carpenter's band. Danoff, Nivert, Carroll, and Chapman formed the Starland Vocal Band and released the song Afternoon Delight in the spring of 1976. The song became a quick hit and spent 14 weeks in the top 40. Afternoon Delight spent eight of those weeks in the top 10, including two weeks at number one. Danoff wrote the song, which would earn the group a gold record. The song earned three Grammy Award nominations and won for Best Arrangement for Voices. The group won the Grammy as Best New Artist, beating out, among others, the Brothers Johnson and Boston. Afternoon Delight was also the theme song for the CBS Television Network's all-day bicentennial coverage hosted by Dan Rather on July 4, 1976. The Starland Vocal Band did not have any other Top 40 hits, and the group broke up in 1981. But the group did have its own variety show for six weeks in the summer of 1977. David Letterman wrote for the show and was a regular cast member. Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band, the number two hit on this week's countdown. It's time for our second Memory Jogger feature, and in this installment of Memory Jogger, we'll take a quick look back at some of the live concert performances on July 4th, 1976. I already mentioned the concert held at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia, featuring Peter Frampton, Yes, and Gary Wright. Johnny Cash performed a concert at the Washington Monument after having been the Grand Marshal of the Bicentennial Parade in the nation's capital. Elton John performed at Schaefer Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. The Beach Boys and Leo Sayer were the opening acts. The night before, Brian Wilson performed with the Beach Boys for the first time in 12 years. Elton John opened with Grow Some Funk of Your Own and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. His encore featured Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Your Song, and Pinball Wizard. Elvis performed a show at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. At Tampa Stadium, the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, Loggins and Messina, and Dan Fogelberg all performed. Willie Nelson's July 4th picnic at the Tulsa Fairground Speedway featured Willie, Leonard Skinnerd, and Jerry Jeff Walker. Aerosmith played at Grove Stadium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina on their Rocks Tour, and that night featured opening acts Jeff Beck and Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. The Talking Heads were at CBGB's in New York. Southside Johnny performed at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey. This was followed by an impromptu show by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops Orchestra performed at the Boston Fireworks Celebration. I read where the event made it into the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest audience to attend a classical concert, an estimated 400,000 people. 
those shows represent a pretty hefty collection of music and memories. Before we get to the song which held on to the number one position for a fourth consecutive week, let's do a quick review. The song at number 10 was Love is Alive by Gary Wright. Number 9, Kiss and Say Goodbye by the Manhattans. Number 8, I'll Be Good to You by the Brothers Johnson. At number 7, The Silver Convention and Get Up and Boogie. The Andrea True Connection is at number 6 with More, More, More. Captain and Tennille have the number 5 song, Shop Around. Daryl Hall and John Oates are at number 4 with Sarah Smile. Dorothy Moore sings her heart out on number 3, Misty Blue. Number 2 is Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. And the number 1 song on July 4th, 1976... Silly Love Songs by Wings. And yes, this is the fourth family act in this week's countdown, as Wings included Paul McCartney and his wife, Linda. Silly Love Songs was a huge hit for Wings. This was its fourth consecutive week at number one, and fifth overall. After its first week atop the charts, it fell to number two for two weeks behind Diana Ross and Love Hangover. Then it moved back into the number one spot for the next four weeks. This is the final of those four weeks. Silly Love Songs would end up as the number one song of the year as per Billboard's year-end ranking for 1976. This would be the third time Paul McCartney claimed that achievement, following the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand in 1964 and Hey Jude in 1968. In fact, McCartney became the first artist to have a year-end number one song as part of two different acts. Silly Love Songs was the 27th number one song by McCartney, the songwriter. That's the most ever. He remains atop that list today, and his total has since increased to 32 number ones. McCartney wrote Silly Love Songs in response to critics who said he wrote, well, Silly Love Songs. The song is from the album Wings at the Speed of Sound, which the band recorded during a break from its Wings Over the World tour. By the way, while there is not a title track on Speed of Sound, Ringo Starr has a song entitled Speed of Sound on his 2017 release, Give More Love. Speed of Sound became McCartney's most successful post-Beatles album in America, spending seven weeks atop the Billboard album charts, coming in at number three on Billboard's 1976 year-end album chart. The album sold three and a half million copies around the world. This week, Speed of Sound is the number one album in the nation for the third different time in 1976. It was number one for a week in April, five weeks later it was number one again for a week, and three weeks after that it was back in the number one position again, where it would remain for five weeks. This is the third of those five consecutive weeks. As odd as all that sounds, another album would be number one four different times in 1976 for a total of ten weeks. That was the top-selling album of the year, Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive. Silly Love Song spent a total of 15 weeks in the top 40, 11 in the top 10, which included those five weeks at number one. It was McCartney's fifth number one post-Beatles song, following Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey in 1971, My Love in 1973, Band on the Run in 1974, and Listen to What the Man Said in 1975. Number one hits still to follow for him were With a Little Luck in 1978, Coming Up in 1980, Ebony and Ivory, the duet with Stevie Wonder in 1982, and Say, 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 a duet with Michael Jackson in 1983. The list does not include Mull of Kintyre, which was a massive worldwide hit, 
but not in the U.S. At the time, Mull of Kintyre was the best-selling single of all time in the United Kingdom, topping the previous record holder, which was She Loves You by The Beatles. I recall on the 4th of July, 1976, a few of us at the family cookout I mentioned went inside at one point to listen to my copy of Wings at the Speed of Sound. Silly Love Songs was one of McCartney's 35 top 40 hits in his post-Beatles career on the Billboard Hot 100, and that does not include more recent collaborations with Kanye West and Rihanna. And on the day of the American Bicentennial Celebration, Wings and Silly Love Songs was the number one song in the U.S. And those were the top 10 songs on July 4, 1976, the 200th birthday of the United States of America. I hope you enjoyed our countdown and our telling of the Bicentennial story. What did you hear in this episode that brought back a memory? Please share it. Send a note to memory at spokenjoe.com. Episodes of Memory and Top 40 Music are available on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Give us a rating and some feedback, and please subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget, listen to this episode's companion playlist on Spotify. Thanks for listening to Memory and Top 40 Music. I'm Spoken Joe.